Before we start the podcast off today, we've got Jacob two times. Jacob! Yeah, I'm right here with you guys. Do you have any big plans for Halloween? Well, um, you want to guess how many days it is until my birthday, Miguel Fuller? You want to guess? Ooh, I'm not good at guessing. I'm really bad about that. Um, come, I'm... On, come 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 on, guys, come on, guys, come on, guys, uh, come on, guys, come on, guys. Let's I want see. You to guess. I'm going to say 35 days. Wrong brother from Miguel on that one. Oh. <laughs> so, wait, how many days until your birthday? Yep. Um, I'm going to say 12. Wrong, Holly, brother, probably on that one. Do mm. I want you to do the brother, Miguel, come on. Oh, uh, wait, hold on, Scott, you take Holly. a guess. How many days? Eight. Eight days? R- wrong. We Uh-oh. all got the buzzer. Okay, oh, let me get the buzzer out. So sorry. Jacob, you'll have to tell us how many days. It's 24 days until my birthday, 24 days until I'm... Yes, until I'm guess old, I'm going to be Miguel Fuller. Oh, 30? You're, you're wrong, Miguel. Holly, you want to guess? Uh, I think 32. <laughs> wrong, wrong, I, wrong, eh, wrong. What's the right answer, Jacob? 35. I'm going to be 35. I'm going to be your age, Miguel. Can you believe it? Yes, that's right. Well, we are excited to uh, celebrate with you. We'll have to do that when we get close to that date. But, Jacob, tell everybody what podcast they're listening to right now. They are listening to the podcast with the best radio personality in the game, Miguel Fuller, and the best radio personality in the game, Holly O'Connor. And... And Little John on Hot 101.5. Yeah! Yeah! I love it. Unscripted. Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel Fuller. I would show anything. I'd show my hee-hee and my hoo-hoo and my ha-ha. Holly O'Connor. Hey, Daddy, you want to take this to the bedroom? And Scotty the Body. I am officially not only the grill daddy, but I'm a hot grill daddy. Oh, wow. It's the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. Only from Hot 101.5, Tampa Bay's new hit music. Hello, and welcome back to the award-winning... Oh, yes. Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. Thank you for voting us the best podcast in Tampa Bay. That is mind-blowing. <laughs> Isn't wow. it just really, really weird to think about that? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I've been trying for, well, it's Wednesday, a week now to make like one of my, what I call a sweeping post. Mm-hmm. Where it's basically where I sort of word vomit on social media. Yeah, you really enjoy those. I do, where I just sort of like give you a, a download of what's going on in my life for whatever particular reason. And usually, I, I obviously like to do it because I like to share. But then it's also cool to sort of like see it in your memories a year or two later. Yeah. Because it almost ends up turning into like a diary entry, basically. And since I don't keep a diary anymore or a blog like I used to um, in a form. And so I've really been trying to wrap my head around what it means that, you know, we won all of those awards at the Best of the Bay Awards last or last week. Um, but I really can't put it into words. Like whenever I've tried, literally I sat down this weekend when I had some time and I was like, all right, Abe is running errands. No one is home. You're sitting on the couch. Go. And all I can type is just gratitude. Like I can't think of any other words to describe it or to, to let you understand why it's so meaningful that we won. Mm. Um, Because when we talked about it on the air, when I revealed to you all, like there was so much going on where like we were all excited. Holly was throwing Harry Potter around. Um, <laughs> it then, seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah, right. No, I loved it. And then like Scott was like freaking out because a hotline was going off. Then our boss was on and then we were doing it live and I was trying to make sure that I was presenting it correctly. And so I didn't have a chance to really like fully put together my thoughts, mm-hmm. but I really can't figure out exactly how to put it into words, what it means. Understood. I don't know if you have to. 
and you know, maybe eventually you want to, but maybe the time is not right this minute. Yeah. Um, what did it mean to you, Scott, to win best up and coming radio personality? Well, it's now that you have it a week to like let it soak in. Yeah, and I, I did put up a post about it. In the moment, my exact moment was, you know, it meant so much to me because these past couple months have just been hard. Mm-hmm. Like the hardest parts of my entire life. And I have struggled more like waking up and going at this job and giving it my all and trying to find a way to get meaning behind it some days and trying to find meaning and waking up on some days. But it, it proved that it's coming together. My dreams, my goals, our mission here to create an impact in other people's lives is actually happening, you know, because at the end of the day, that's why I got into this studio, literally, is because I wanted to create that impact. I wanted people to smile in the morning when they heard our voices. I wanted to create change with the things that we brought up and bring up topics and share stories and to see that after an insane year, after an insane 2020, to say the least, like people care. People Mm. have been impacted by what we've done and we put in hours and Mm. (laughs) a lot, put in a lot on the table. And I didn't write it all in my post either because it's like, you know, there's too much to even read. But when everything shut down in the beginning of 2020, we're like, all right, like, you had two options. You either, okay, let me just kind of take the chill road. We'll do the bear of what we already been doing. But instead, it was exactly what I would expect from, you know, y'all and our team is like, let's bump it up. Let's do what we came to do. And mm-hmm. that's to help others. And it was a lot of work. It paid off. And honestly, the biggest thing for me is like, my whole mission right now, my why behind why I get up every day is to show my parents that their sacrifices and everything they've gone through and every lesson they've taught me is worth it. That when I told you many years ago, speaking of to my parents, my mom and dad, like, I'm going to make it. My path isn't the normal path that normal people are taking. I'm going to make it. Trust me. This is that validation to say, here, I'm one step closer. Mm. And the very moment, as soon as that award came, like, I started crying on the air because, like, it meant the world that, I am making that step, but it also, like, it hit me different because my first reaction was, like, I can't wait to tell my mom. Mm. Like, I can't wait to get her on the phone and be, like, it's happening. Like, things are are working, and your support is why it's happening. Right. Because from the very beginning, my mom was always the one that would say, hey, like, I know. Like, go ahead. You don't have any questions for me. Like, I know you're going to go ahead and make something of yourself. I believe you 100%. Mm. Now go make it happen. And so it hit me really hard that day because I wanted to do that. And in that moment, I couldn't. And it means even more because I got to tell her this weekend when I was actually able to talk to her for like the first time in a month and say, hey, like I got this. And it was the exact reaction that I wanted because I know it would make her happy. I I felt the smile through the phone of just pure joy. And it shows her that's like I always want to remind you like you're an awesome parent. These struggles that we're going through right now and everything that's happened and you put blame on yourself, it doesn't take away from the greatness of a parent that you are. And all those sacrifices that you made, we're in this together and you are the reason I am able to do what I'm doing right now. Mm. So that's what that award means to me. Mm. Holly, have you had time to reflect a little bit more for you on best radio station, which we'd never won that, best local morning show, uh, best podcast, what did that mean to you? Um, I definitely, I'm more on your wavelength than I am on Scott's. That was a beautiful explanation for what that meant to you, Scott. Um, and it's interesting because in it, you can see parts of what make you, you. Mm. So it's not only a, a beautiful explanation, it's a really insightful look at who you are as a human and how you got that way. Mm. Um, so that's awesome. I'm not, I'm at a different point in my career than Scott is, obviously. Um, and so, yes, like I, I will say I was like stunned and I sort of, ho- I, mean, I obviously hoped we would win it, um, but fully prepared that we wouldn't like most years past. (laughs) Um, But when I found out we did, it was like, and I said this on the air, but it's validation 
that the type of show that I believe in and that we do works. Right. And I don't know. I guess I get a lot of motivation from proving people wrong. Absolutely. And um, and maybe that's a, a big way in which I differ from, like, you know, how, how and why I work so hard, and that differs from Scott's, um, in that I finally, what's nice is that I finally gotten to a point, maybe within the last few years, um, where I haven't been doing things to prove people wrong as much. Mm. And like at first, I first, you know, I think a lot of it stems from middle school, high school, feeling like, a you know, a social outcast and feeling not appreciated or seen, period. Right. Um, and I think a lot of the early parts of my radio career, even before a morning show, I pushed so hard for those. And I just surprisingly found myself doing it because I was like, I'll show y'all. Mm. Probably not the best reason to do something, but it can be a strong motivator. Um, And I say that because, like I said, about maybe in the last few years, my why has switched and I don't do it as much for that. I still get some satisfaction from being able to say, not I told you so, but like, look at me now. Right. I showed you. Right. And some of that even comes from like, you know, the the people who hired us mm-hmm. or people in radio in general, not necessarily this company, who don't believe in this sort of thing, you know. So there is definitely some satisfaction that comes along with, huh, did it. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> and that's pretty, probably pretty spiteful and horrible, but it exists in me. Right. Um, but We're not all perfect. No, but what I do like is that, like I said, my why has sort of changed, and that's not my driving force anymore. What is? My driving force, I think, is just to do something that I really enjoy and feel is meaningful. Mm. And I guess what when I say meaningful, meaningful to whom... Um, myself and others that I can help. And that's more of the the motivating why other than look what I can do. I told you so. See what I did. Right. Um, so, and a lot of it has actually come in the past year and a half to two years when I've, you know, been on more of a self journey. So to tie it back in, these awards show that, it is real. Like the the secret, if you will, is real. That whole manifestation thing where if you put it into the universe, you get that back. Um, it's real. Right. And I, I feel really sort of honored and privileged to be able to say I have a better why and it's more fulfilling because these awards prove to me that what I'm doing is helpful to society. Right. Sorry for being so slow with that. I haven't really thought about it, but I think that's what it is. Well, because I I think, and I'm going to read a text that I got. I wanted to spend some time on the podcast to talk about it um, because I feel like our industry and what we do, we move so quickly that like literally we did that segment on the air. We cried and Holly through Harry Potter. And then like literally two songs later, it was hot in Hollywood. Then yeah. it was another topic and another topic and then blown off and then another topic and then a meeting afterwards. And it was like, you never get a chance to just like, wait a minute, hold on. Like, let's really take a second to understand what that truly means in the bigger picture of things. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to just like live in it for a little bit. Um, so we don't just say like, oh, well, we did blown off today at 740 and we just checked that box off like stop. Yes. Think about it for a second and really reflect on what happened. And the reason why I'm thinking on that wavelength is because one of the guys that I listened to listened to growing up, um, he sent me a text this week. He sent us, Holly, you and I both a text, mm. uh, Jeff Dollar. Yeah. Um, he does a really cool podcast, which I've been wanting to have him on to talk about. 
um, The Upside. It's with Jeff and Callie, his wife. Mm-hmm. And they give, it's like focused around gratitude and good stuff. And they talk about their lives because he used to be a radio guy. And I grew up listening to him uh, in middle school or high school and forever. And so he's one of the people that influenced me into doing this job and also doing the type of show that we do. Because a lot of shows that get like instant radio success, um, because some of you, you know, we've sort of wondered, are you interested in like the behind the scenes radio talk? And some of you said, actually, I enjoy it. Well, there's like different formulas for doing a radio show, just like with anything. You know, when you write a book, you have the prologue, the character definition, the blah, 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 blah. There's different kinds of books. So you might have like a crime, a speedy crime novel. Right. Or like a a more slowly unfolding character development novel that's not as action packed. Right. And so this type of show that we do, the genesis and the inspiration is from this show that I grew up listening to. And... Throughout the course of when I was in high school and I would message all the people on this morning show, like different things. And you like, were that person. Oh, I was that person. Like I called into the morning show back in the day when I wanted to when I was running for senior class president and they had me on the air. And I wrote I interviewed them for like a couple of papers in college about communications and people that did. So I had like all these touch points with them that they don't probably remember each of them like I no. do. But then as you know, I met Holly and we started doing our show and we met them at conventions. We became friends when I was like, hey, I grew up listening to you and you're the reason why I'm here. Thank you for what you do. Well, he sent me a text on Monday that said, uh, just thought about the stack of awards y'all collected last week. They're awesome and well-deserved, but I 100% promise you that there is a person or people who have heard your show and knows your story that because of you came out of the closet, accepted their sexuality, stopped wondering if they'll be comfortable in their own skin. Additionally, because of you, someone has advocated or accepted someone who is a, sorry, additionally, because of you, someone has advocated or accepted uh, someone who is different race or whose sexuality or gender identity is different than theirs. You very likely helped a parent accept their child. You very likely saved their lives. The awards represent your popularity, and you're doing so much good with that popularity more than you'll ever know. Just a reminder, have a great week. And I was like, well, damn. Yeah, that's deep. I hadn't really thought about it like that. Now I'm tearing up a little bit. And he goes, that's why I wanted to remind you what you do is really brave, honorable, and so necessary, and it's easily overlooked. So just remember it when you look at the other awards. And so that's when I really sat back and was like, well, shit. That's how I feel, though. Like, that's right. That's what, like, the awards are awesome. Right. And they satisfy that told you so mm-hmm. thing. But deeper, it's like, how is my soul being satisfied through this career, through this job? Right. Right. And that's what it speaks to. And one of the things that a theme that you've probably noticed in, you know, the year of us doing this podcast and especially in quarantine is, you know, talking about Scott's future, what he's going to do and even our futures of, you know, we're at that point in our career where it's not like we're going to be here for the next 20 years, you know, doing this. And so you want to make sure at this point in your life that what you're doing means something and that, Mm. you know, it may not on the surface seem like a sacrifice, but like waking up early, coming in and sort of like checking your emotions sometimes at the door so you can put on a show. As that, much as you can. Exactly. Yeah. As much as we possibly can of being happy and, you know, telling jokes and doing fun things to sort of put a smile on your face. It takes a toll on you sometimes. And so you want to make sure that what you're doing is like truly helping. And like you said, Holly, it was that. Yes, all of this is not just for nothing, because I guess one of my fears is as I'm feeling that my body is changing as I'm 35 and I know I'm not old, but it is changing. I'm not 25 anymore. Right. It is. I mean, that's how life works. Exactly. And 
it's not the healthiest to get a little the little sleep that we do get. Yeah. You know, and so I just want to make sure that what I'm doing is truly serving people mm-hmm. in whatever way possible. And so thank you for listening, for choosing to listen, and thank you for participating in all the meaningful, crazy, um, off-the-wall stuff that we sort of bring to you. Like when I said, so I got this cookbook about sexy chicken. <laughs> let's yeah. go along with it. And you and the Miguel and Holly fam said, all right, let's do 50 Shades of Chicken every Wednesday during the summer. That type of stuff doesn't happen on a lot of shows. No, yeah, no. They're like, just shut up and play another song or go do another canned thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So just thank you, thank you, thank you. And I really wanted to spend a moment so it doesn't just seem like we're like, oh, we got these awards, yay, moving on. Mm -hmm. But what it truly means um, more internally and deeply than what it may seem on the surface. Yep, I'm on board with all that. So, Scott, you mentioned that, you know, you talked to your mom, and so she's on the upswing of things, it seems like, or at least what's going on? I'm, I wouldn't, I would say a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, for me, there's no real, like, big upswing until all this is taken care of, and, I mean, she needs a liver transplant. So, you know, until that's done, it's still, as I put it on my Instagram, I didn't ask me anything yesterday, and someone's like, how are you really? And I was like, well, <laughs> if you're really going to ask, I'm okay. You know, I always look toward the positive with anything because all I have is hope. And you can, you know, you make the most out of what you got. But I'm always going to walk around with this pit of stress more than I've ever had until everything is final. And we finally are recovered, have a new liver, and everything's good. But we are in a step of the right direction. And by that, you know, there was a long period of time, a stupid amount of time, that we were just kind of waiting to hear back from whoever about that process i guess when you're going through a transplant you got to talk to people and then they just have to wait and like check all the boxes pretty much see if you're a candidate i don't know all that stuff's very confusing also one of the frustrating parts and it takes a lot it's like it drags out the only reason i know this i'm not familiar with um anybody that's had a liver transplant but i have i do remember hearing one of our coworkers talk about when he needed a kidney do you remember Um, Mm -hmm. Soul Brother Kevin from The Bone. So watching him go through that process was heartbreaking at times because you would get so close and then he would like, it didn't work out or whatever reason. And it just takes so long. And it's like, what? Hello, my my literal life is on the line here. Yeah. I remember him describing how he would be on the air and his phone would ring during the show. And he was like, any phone call could be a transplant. Yeah, I have to take this. And it's like, you know, they're in the studio talking about, oh, crazy, stupid stuff. And a phone call pops up from a 727 number. And he's like, that could be it. Or it could be a spam call. Right. But like, you're living in that that deepness all the time. And you're in a haze too. Because obviously, for whatever the reason, his with a kidney, your mom with a liver, your body is not functioning the way that it should. So you are in a haze. Yeah, and that's that's the hardest thing, especially when she was in Vero and she was going back and forth from the rehab place to the hospital, and and the hospital actually kind of prefer there because I'm able to they treat her real well, yeah, and they get everything kind of like back to where it should be. And they so they have the, everything like on standby, ready on to standby, go. ready, and you know my dad's actually able to visit her in the hospital. Wasn't able to do that in the rehab center, so like she wouldn't have her phone, any of that. But because of like a couple back and forth and the one transplant thing not really working out well, I guess they just waited for a while to not let us know like something wasn't working. Eventually, my dad got in contact with Tampa General somehow, and they worked it out. So my mom's going to be coming over to Tampa General, and they're actually evaluating her for a liver, which is like the biggest step that we've had this entire process, which was just like literally my dad called me, you know, today is Wednesday, five days ago, and it was like, a slap of goodness like I just broke down getting ready for my best friend's wedding putting on a tux like talking to my girlfriend and I just broke down because I was like holy crap like I needed that like I'm holding on as much as I can and I'm trying to like for me like I am that positive figure and I will remain that in any circle that I'm in and that includes my family and it's you know it's very hard to remind people that it's like in these moments you need to be as hopeful and bring as much good energy as you possibly can because there's no other point 
to bring it down. Because if you bring it down, you're losing everything. And she needs it. We all need it. And for this moment, when we got the notice that it's like, okay, next bed that opens, she's heading over to Tampa General, getting this evaluation going. That was like, okay, that was a win. Like, we've had a lot of, like, my mom's a fighter. Like, going through this entire process, holy crap. There has been some scary-ass moments. But this is a move that's like, we needed a step. We needed to get a step in the right direction. And I'm ecstatic that she's actually coming over to Tampa General because for me, I don't know what it is. Never even been inside Tampa General, but I just have this feeling of trust. I have this feeling that they're going to take care of her well. I've had messages already from people telling me like their stories from having transplants in Tampa General, and it just gives me so much more hope that someone's actually taking the step to make this thing happen because you just don't know, and you put your your life in other people's hands, and if they're not willing to like keep you in the communication loop, it's so scary, and so for them to reach out to my dad and start actually making this process happen, and there's been a lot of other advocates that have helped us along the way, that gives us a lot more hope to keep carrying through. So she's not over here yet, but it's like literally the next call of, hey, a bed's open. She's heading over to Tampa General. How do you feel like this experience has changed you so far at this point? Man, ah, it's a lot of different ways. I mean, first and foremost, I the very first reaction I had is that one, like, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And I, I say that as, like, the simplest phrase, but for me, it kind of changed the way I looked at going about my life. You know, it's like I remember the very moment I got to Vero and I saw my mom, like, laying there, and I'm just like, holy crap, like, what was happening? You know, when's the last time I talked to her, which is, you know, before I went a couple days ago. But it made me want to get myself in gear to like one uh, start going after my dreams and, and we just kind of talked about it but i mean in a way of like i'm not going to wait for another 7 years to say yes to finally like putting out my own projects or creating something from my own lane or letting fear take over what are the things that i want to do because the reality is like i want like i said earlier my parents to see these things i want these dreams to come alive to show them that i have what it takes because of what you've done and so that was one, but at the same time, too, it's, we look at how our priorities are so messed up, especially in these times when it's like we just work our lives away and we forget and we think that there's going to be people in our lives all the time, you know, and I've thought about this for many years now, but our parents are a big one. And whether, you know, this, I'm talking for me, like I have a good relationship with my parents and you could be friends, family, whatever it is for you, but we just always expect them to be there. Until one day, it's like you get a call and everything's flipped. Mm -hmm. And that was it for me. Like, my mom's been back and forth kind of sick here and there for, like, the past two years. But she was on an uptick. And this time around, I was like, oh, hell no. You're not getting a phone call away from me. Like, I'm calling you every day. Mm. Just if it's two minutes. And that was just what I wanted to do for me. But she sounded fine. And the next thing I know, I'm there at 1 a.m., and I'm holding her hand, making sure that she makes it through the night. So it's mm. like, you really have to put it in terms of, am I willing to miss out on, like, for example, like this Thanksgiving? Am I willing to just say no to going home for the holidays because I just don't feel like traveling? Like, for me, that's one of the biggest lessons. You got to really evaluate what are your priorities? Like, what are you really like looking at? Because one day these things aren't going to be here. Mm hmm and that was it for me and it's changed the way i go about work like it, when it comes to like and i love my job but i knew the moment that i got the call from my dad i was like i don't give a damn about anything else like fire me on the spot cuz i can't come in but i'm going to spend the time with my family and i'm going to be there until i have to be and that's one of the things like i'm so appreciative of our boss will of y'all cuz as soon as i said it, it like in my head <laughs> you can't tell me anything and you all gave me the support to say, like, yeah, bye. Right. You let me know when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And that's what it came down to. It's just, it's hard to see. And I, I felt really bad because we're in a pandemic, obviously. And, like, I went over to Vero a couple times, but my brother didn't for a couple months because he was obviously working out in the field doing engineering stuff. And he didn't want to give COVID to my parents, obviously. But when we travel over there, my, you know, brother hasn't been home in six months. And this is what he's walking into. Like, that's hard. That is really hard. And so it's moments like that that are like, okay, like once we get through this, it's time to really start looking at like, when am I calling? When am I visiting? What am I doing 
to really interact because once you leave home or whatever the case may be, we kind of forget about that side and we think it's always going to be there until one day it might not be. Mm. So it's really changed my perspective on just how quick life could just turn around and how quick everything's going. So I want to make the most out of every moment that I have and, you know, just keep doing what I can to just be there for them, be there for myself, be there for others, stuff like that. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've seen from Miguel and Holly fan members over the past year for me as I dealt with stuff with my grandmother going through some medical stuff and now my mom dealing with some stuff is the one big thing that I keep seeing from people is when they relate to any of those situations is I wish I would have taken more time with my family um you know, before they passed away or before something tragic happened. And it really has put things into perspective for me. But then at the same time, like, it's also hard for me to wrap my brain around that because my family has been so disconnected for all of my life. It, I was going to say, like, there's a little twinge of something I feel because, like, you're you're so right, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, And there, I don't think anybody would counter like counter what you're saying right it's true um but then i think about some people whose families never had that to begin with and i'm like how do you go about rectifying like for this is not my particular case but like what if you have someone wanting to rectify and their family doesn't right or what if you know you feel like there's so what if there's so many emotions that aren't cleared yet and you have to deal with them. So there's like a couple different branches. And I'm wondering if that's where you fall to, Miguel. Yeah. And I really felt that this past weekend. And I want to talk delicately because this isn't me. This is my family. And they're not on the radio. Exactly. So <laughs> they don't listen. So it's not like it matters. Well, that's one. Here we go on to one step. Right. <laughs> um, but there was one family member who called me to get information from another family member about my mom in the hospital. Yeah. And both of these people, like my whole family live in Atlanta. My mom's in Atlanta in the hospital. I'm here in Florida and I'm like, why are y'all calling me? (laughs) Like fucking talk to each other. Like, but that's always been the issue is that my family's never been one to really express emotion and to never, like, it's, I, I've always come up in a family where we get together at Thanksgiving and Christmas, but then, like, right after those dinners, like, the people that you're close with, you sort of break apart and you're like, well, oh, so-and-so came and they brought this person, but they didn't bring this. Well, whatever. We'll see them for Christmas. Mm. Where it's never been a, oh, my gosh, let's get together for Arbor Day And let's celebrate together because we're a family. And what's really just making this blaringly obvious that my family has this deficiency is since my mom's been in the hospital, I've heard from Abe, my boyfriend's family, who not like just his mom and dad or his brother, but like his aunt who are like, texting me who I don't even have their number saved. They're like, hey, just wanted to check in. How's your mom doing? Like, what's the update? Or like they've sent me birthday cards and I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, whoa, your Aunt Janet just texted me? Like, what? And he's like, well, yeah, because they want to know. And I'm like. Just just the difference. Right. And so it, I feel like I have a warped sense of family because of that. And I wish I could get to the root of like why that is. Um, and so when I hear you talk about that, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. But it almost feels like I'm watching a movie. It's almost like when you talk about that, it's like, well, gee, Willikers, that's such a great movie. Like, God, leave it to Beaver. And I'm like, my family has just never been like that, which is why through the years I've gone back to Atlanta less and less. And usually it's when I'm there for like another reason that I see people. Right. And I just don't know how to fix that because now at this point, I'm 35. Um, my cousins that I was close with, like we've tried to connect a couple of times and they've come to visit a few years ago. But it's almost like strangers. Because mm-hmm. like I don't, outside of my mom 
and even my brother. Like, we've talked more since my mom's been in the hospital than we have literally my adult life. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. And so how do you make those connections with people that it's almost like just walking into International Plaza and just saying, hey, we're family? Yeah, I feel for you, you say you don't know why it is. And I think only because I've been in therapy for so long, it all goes back to hurt. Right. And pain and trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just yours, but every person that makes up your biological family right. has their own weight of hurt and pain that they carry and they won't address it. Mm. Either they don't know how or it's too difficult. Um, but I think that's where it comes from. I can see it in my family because my mom and my auntie Pearl are notoriously like just frenemies, basically locking horns. Right. Um, and I can see it. Like, I see how my Auntie Pearl gets, how she gets, and then feels about my mom's reactions, and she's confused. But I also see how my mom feels about my the interactions with Auntie Pearl and why it leaves her so hurt and angry. And it's like, I don't, I don't think it's fixable. At their age, you'd have to dig deep mm-hmm. into some trauma and right. pain and... It's very hard. Mm. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, well, you just go to therapy for a few weeks and you do the work. What? You were abused as a kid? Well, let's just talk it out. Right. Mm, that's not how that kind of stuff works. Mm-hmm. It's so deep and it's so painful that there almost is no understanding of the other side mm. because you're too engulfed in your own pain. Holy shit, I think I just made an analogy about politics, too. Mm. I think that's why we're so divided as America. Because we're too engulfed in our own pain to be empathetic to the other someone side. from the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. And it all comes down to not being heard. Right. Not being understood, not being listened to. Mm. And it's real easy for each side to be like, well, why wouldn't the other side understand my pain? Right. Because they're so engulfed in their own. They have it. Mm. If they didn't, we wouldn't have this issue. But right. bringing it back to family, it's like until you work on your own pain and then you find, like, you can break through to figure out where it comes from, why you have it, um, what's what's the root cause, and work on it and work on it and heal it little by little. And it could take years, by yeah. the way. My Uncle Joe, notoriously, <clears throat> this is my, my mom and Auntie Pearl's brother, he was in therapy for 10 straight years, and my mom and my aunt always are like, oh, poor Joe, in therapy for so long. And I'm like, y'all bitches should have been doing the same thing. He's the sanest one among them. And you note, we don't see him ever. He lives in Arizona by himself mm. because he's, like, woke, and he realizes the rest of the family are just bumping around with their own pain blind to each other. Right. And he's like, I can't, we're not even having the same conversation. Mm. We're living in different realities. So it's like, you have to do the work on yourself first. Then I just had this conversation with my person because he's going through a really, really tough time with his family, feeling misunderstood and, you know, deep childhood hurt. And I'm like, but luckily you're doing the work right now. So on the other side of that hurt and that pain and that anger that you deal with, which I bet you have if you were to sit and think about it, Miguel. Mm-hmm. If you got real deep, oh, absolutely. Hurt, pain, anger, you have to dig through those dirty emotions and it's messy and muddy. But I said the great thing is that once you have done the work and you're on the other side of some of the worst of it, that's where compassion and empathy and understanding come from. Being self actualized to be like, wow. I understand where my hurt comes from, and I see, and I mean, hold on. There's a difference if you were, like, being physically beaten, sexually abused. Right. Like, we're, I'm talking about, like, almost your your quote-unquote normal yeah. family, like, trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't get enough love as a child, were put down verbally by your dad, whatever. You know, not like... You don't Serious. have those deep, deep that's a mm-hmm. whole nother level of therapy, by the way. Right. But it stems from a same a similar place where you were somehow damaged. You made um you you did whatever you could to to make it through that childhood and you 
have barricaded that hurt and that pain and that anger so you can live your life like a normal human. Mm. But until you deal with it, so you go through, and then once you're on the other side, like I said, and it do, it does happen because that's just life. Think about like a fucking butterfly, mm-hmm. like a caterpillar literally turns into mush. Right. It's not a pretty metamorphosis. No. And then comes out the other side through a probably horrific trial to get out of that chrysalis. And then it's like, oh, shit, I'm a butterfly. <laughs> so you like you think of that analogy, and then you get on the other side of your hurt, pain, anger, and instead of viewing those family members that you had so much hurt and anger and, you know, pain towards, once you understand your own pain, it's a little easier to start understanding someone else's pain and how they caused you mm. the pain. So, like, I'm going through that right now. And I we haven't talked about my mom for a while. Understandably so. Like, weirdly... In 2020, my mom with the fucking brain tumor is the one doing the best out of all three of our moms. So, you know what? I'm just glad she's doing okay. That's what my mom said, too, when she got sick. She was like, I thought I was going to be the one to be able to, like, be like, I'm here for y'all. And now I'm the one in the hospital. I'm I'm like, Margaret's holding it down with her. Can't speak right over here. That's fine. Um, But, like, I'm sort of going through that now. And I had, I've been really angry at her. Um for the like a, a long time now and it's been a slow build and I'm working through it in therapy. What I thought was really nice was that I, di- I didn't want to tell her that we won these awards because I was like, bitch, don't care. Right. Why should I tell her? Like, I, I want to keep that for me. Mm. So I felt like she wouldn't care or I felt like she didn't deserve to have that information because like she thinks that I'm going to hell anyway. Like, mm. I don't care. Right. But I do care. So I mentioned it accidentally because, like, some other ma, like, uh, you know, a friend of mine's whose kid goes to school with Maya was like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you, Holly. And my mom's like, what happened? I'm like, oh, we won a bunch of awards. Like, mm. what awards? I'm like, this thing, it's not a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal, but we won these things. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. So whatever. The next day, she, like, made our neighbor go take her to the store, and she bought me flowers. Mm. Oh. Which I thanked her for, but I didn't get emotional about it until right now. But I was like, I guess your parent always cares. Mm. But since I was still in that that space of anger, I was like, she hurt me. I don't give a fuck. But through the therapy and like the flowers were a reminder, I'm like... I know. I know where it came from. Of course she loves me. Of course she wants the best for me. Her issues are not mine. Right. They're not me, you know? Mm. Her issues are being abused as a child, never feeling heard, you know, always feeling uglier than her sister, not as good as her brother. Like, she's got all these issues, and I know about them. I forget sometimes because my pain is too great. Because mm-hmm. your pain is your pain. My pain is mine. And remember mm-hmm. I said there was like a therapy phrase, I have a right to my pain mm-hmm. and no one else's. Mm-hmm. So it's like natural that I shouldn't take on her pain. And I used to try to do that as a codependent enmeshed child. But I don't anymore, which is, has been another growth point. But So it's like in those moments when I'm feeling that deep hurt and anger and pain, I cannot empathize with hers because I'm like, well, bitch, look what you did to me. Right. But when I do have those moments and they come more and and more frequently as you go through the healing process. And then I think I have this pain. I'm dealing with it. But my eyes are also open to know her pain. Mm. And instead of just anger or hurt, I'm like, man, she had it rough. And so... That's the only way that families that are dissociated from each other can get back together. But it takes at least one person to do that hard work. And sometimes, like my Uncle Joe in his situation, he did that work but saw that he wasn't going to get through to or was able to share his story because I don't think they wanted to hear it. Mm -mm. They were too wrapped up in their their own pain. So he's like, I'm good now. I'm going to live over here on the west side. Right. 
But I'll come visit every now and then. Right. I still love you, but you're not on my level because I've healed. And so if your family cannot see past their own pain, Miguel, that's why it is the way it is. And it makes sense. It totally makes sense that I feel like there is a lot of stuff that happened uh, growing up that I probably have no clue about. Oh, absolutely. You bury it's It's a real thing. Oh, absolutely. It's so real. Shit happens to you that is horrific, especially younger, like mm-hmm. when you're a child or a teenager or even in your early 20s. And it's so harmful that your brain, God bless it, is trying to protect you. And right. it's like, we're just going to put this in the back somewhere because yeah. it's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, even some of the things that I've learned as an adult about my mom that, like, she was kidnapped once. Um, she, I mean, all these other things that she's been through and she's never had any help for it. And I'm like, that, so if all that happened to you and obviously she deals with that pain. Yeah. Um, she has four other brothers and sisters that have gone through their own individual things. Um, and that's one of the reasons why they, that those brothers and sisters don't communicate. And so then you bring that down to the next generation, us, where, you know. You're being raised by traumatized people who are doing the best they can a lot of the time. Right. And it was like, they started off well, like my, my cousins, Tyrone and the one who's gone now, Antonio, you know, we were kind of raised together for a few years there. And then my uncle and his then wife, my auntie Allison had some issues and then they moved away and they got separated. And then I didn't see them for a long time. And so it was like, we were on track to have that closeness between us cousins. Yeah. And, and then it just sort of like fell apart from there. And so then by the time I got back to Atlanta from Denver, I was already like, you know, different yeah. because I grew up now for six years in Denver and they'd all been in Atlanta. And I was like the person who was like, I don't use terms like big ole and don't call me Miguel. My name is now Miguel. Thank you. Yeah, and, and they're like, like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> Last time you were here, you were like, hey, y'all, my name is Miguel, but they call me Poo. And now I'm like... <laughs> I watch The Real World, and I read Time Magazine, <laughs> and, and I'm like, going to Roswell. Well, we're not going to uh, talk to him. He's weird. gone now. So it is, it's is—it's an interesting thing to really dig down. And when I feel sort of what you said, Holly, of, and I just had this thought the other day when I was thinking about the holidays, and probably not this holiday because of COVID. You know, we weren't planning on going anywhere. But I told Abe, I was like, Maybe next holiday, if we're past the COVID stuff and we can be around family, especially because his dad is immunocompromised, let's take my mom up to Buffalo so she can meet your family. And I want her to understand what it feels like. And then the more I thought about it the next day, I was like, it's basically just like saying, well, my family's got too much stuff going on and I don't want to deal with it. So I'm just going to escape and hide in this new family. But I do think at some point, my cousins and I that are in the younger generation have to sit down and be like, all right, if we don't fix this now, we're literally going to be those people that like, if I ever have a kid, if they like my uncle or my cousin Tyrone has a kid, like they'll never know each other. No. And then one day they'll be on (laughs) ancestry.com and be like, did you know I have a cousin in Atlanta? And I'll be like, oh, but we've been going to Buffalo all these years. That, that Those are your, and it's like, mm-hmm. at some point, you've got to be the change. Yeah, and that's what it takes is is to, you can, it, it's that whole thing where generational trauma rolls downhill. And this is what I consider myself is a, is a cycle breaker. Right. You have to turn around and look at all that trauma and go, I see you. I'm going to fucking work on you. We're going to do this. I want to share really quick just a the a three phrase quote that I shared with my person yesterday who I felt needed it but I got it from Glennon Doyle who has written a couple of books one of them that I love and I'm still not through yet because life uh, <laughs> but it's called Untamed and it's so good but Glennon Doyle is this great author speaker activist and she's really inspirational to follow if you want to uh, look more into her stuff she's been on Super Soul Sunday mm. she talks to Oprah. But, and I don't, I think it might be from the Untamed book or one, a previous book. She addresses pain and trauma in that way by saying, this is the human condition. This is what we all have to go through. And there's three phases. First, the pain, then the waiting, then 
is it the healing? It might be the healing. I want to mm. make sure I got it right. Hold on, because I it's so it's it's important. For, oh, I know, no, it's better. Mm. First the pain, then the waiting, then the rising. Mm. And to go back to that butterfly analogy, same thing. If you are a Christian type of person, Jesus, right? First the pain, crucifixion, then the waiting, the three days, then the rising. Mm. It's just it's this cycle in life. Right. You go through pain. You have to deal with it. The waiting might not be three days. It might be a lifetime. You have to go through that. And then there's the rising, which is beautiful, but you can't experience how beautiful the rising is until you've been through the pain and the waiting. Right. So that seems to go hand in hand with what we're talking about. And what's the name of the book? The book is untamed, but mm. I, I'm not 100% sure it's in that book. It probably is. But the author is Glennon Doyle. How do you spell that? G-L-E-N-N-O-N-D-O-Y-L-E. Well, I opened up the podcast thinking that we're like, oh, we got about 20, 25 minutes. It did seem like it was going to wrap up quickly. Yeah, because I was like, I got a meeting I got to present at. I got to get that ready. But we really like went like we normally do, just mm-hmm. scraped out the soul a little bit. For me, it's very therapeutic. Yeah, no, it's needed. <laughs> so. Absolutely. You got you to gotta stop and have these conversations. And I feel like if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, either you are one of those persons or people, or you are on the verge of becoming a person that thinks deeply, but know that it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to stop and process life because especially right now when things are being hurled at us so quickly and every time you look around you're like the world is shifting a little bit more it's okay to sit back and reflect and to dig agreed holly what's your social media radio holly on instagram tiktok and twitter scott at scott tavlin s-c-o-t-t-t-a-v-l-i-n and mine is miguel fuller on all the social platforms and make sure if you want a miguel and holly stick up Got new uh, alert for the meeting happening in 15 minutes. Okay. Um, you can always send me an email, Miguel at hot1015tampabay.com. Just send me your name and your address, and we'll send you a Miguel and Holly sticker. Catch, 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 catch up with the previous episodes of the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast from Hot 101.5. Just hit up the Hot 101.5 app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Search Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Uncensored.